0: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Hey, Shannon, how are you?
0: Doing pretty good. How about yourself?
1: Doing good. Doing good.
0: Mm -hmm. It's uh,
1: been unseasonably cool and rainy here this week.
0: Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I literally woke up and I had no idea what the weather was going to be. And I thought, is this what normal people feel like? Because it was raining. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I haven't been looking forward to this for five days. I haven't tracked anything. And my husband's like, oh, yeah, it's the remnants of tropical storm, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, who am I? (laughs) Like, what just happened?
1: (laughs) And I do know that from our uh, survey, it was a very small percentage of people, but some people said, Can we please not have a climatology report at the beginning of every show?
0: Oh, Uh, but that's what we talk about. (laughs) No,
1: because we're two (laughs) meteorologists.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You can't do that. Um, Gosh, that's super funny. (laughs) You know, occasionally I will cogitate on the fact that, yeah, we always talk about the weather. (laughs) But, you know. true. We always talk about the weather. (laughs) It's not like a platitude with us it's for real
1: <laughs> it's true um we've had some as you said some tropical storm activity
0: yeah uh, exciting. luckily
1: the gfs from a few i guess it was a little over a week ago did not verify because it was showing an apocalyptic <laughs> landfall scenario <laughs> uh,
0: gosh that's yeah i i was caught completely and pleasantly unawares <laughs> Yeah, so weird. That's what my friend Lisa says. She says, this is what normal people do, Shannon. I'm like, no. Everyone pays attention to what the forecast is. And she says, no. No, they don't. No. (laughs) Those aren't just, those are not my crowd, you know, so.
1: Very true. Uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) So, you know, I I mentioned the GFS, which is a weather model, and it's a numerical model. Uh, So it's lots of fluid dynamics and... Uh, Bernoulli equations and QG omega equations even better (laughs) (laughs) supercomputers but I thought this week we should talk about a different type of model which is the analog model
0: I mean touching things (laughs) that you can actually like you know look at and observe are you sure you want to talk about this
1: I do, and I love the name analog model, but we'll get back to that
0: very shortly. Uh, so when
1: I say analog model, what comes to your mind as a geologist or a meteorologist? Like, well, what do you think of as analog models?:
0: I mean, if I had to like say like what's a good analog model, I would think about that tub that you put water in and then you have like colored cold water that you pour in the side and you can see like a turbidity current or it's basically like a density driven flow fluid dynamics. That's what I think of.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like a flume is an analog model.
0: Correct. This is a lot more simple than a flume.
1: <laughs> Fair.
0: <laughs> but a flume is an analog model. Yes. Correct. Actually, we were just talking about filming flume experiments today. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and
1: you know, I remember, uh, one of my, one of my professors early on in my geology career, uh, won't say any names in case they don't want this story to be associated um <laughs> yes <laughs> was going to do the experiment of having an aquarium with water and some food coloring and using a heat lamp under it
0: oh okay and
1: simulating mantle convection
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and set this aquarium up on two chairs in their office And proceeded to knock it over and spill an entire aquarium's worth of red-dyed water onto the floor.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Cool. Yep. (laughs) I'll go up and uh, see what the ninth floor looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And that definitely sounds like something I would do. So I do a lot of analog experience in my undergrad experiments in my undergrad classes um the big one that we do is we do an aquifer in a box and it is a ridiculous amount of prep work <laughs> and cleanup i will say that
1: <laughs> oh yeah and the aquifer in a box that's the one that it sort of looks like an ant farm and you've got little wells <laughs> and you inject water and you watch the water level and different wells move around and it's you not can draw pre- down
0: it's not even that it's not the pre-made one like we literally have a shoe box and we build it ourselves. <laughs>
1: oh oh, so you didn't have the little plexiglass ant farm version
0: no plexiglass ant farm version our our wells are just bendy straws (laughs) yeah we do clay and gravel and sand and we have crops that it's little felt that they have to cut out and then they sprinkle cocoa on it which resembles fertilizer and (laughs) oh wow yeah it's it's all the way fifth grade stuff right there Hmm. so much cleanup but that's why i have tas now so that's exciting
1: yeah (laughs) so i you know i said analog model and i like it because well one analog just means similar to right
0: yes but Uh, two it also
1: means not digital
0: (laughs) yes exactly i was gonna say that's not the first thing that anyone thinks of when you say analog anymore though
1: (laughs) yeah so it is both it is a representation that's supposed to be similar to a process that you're interested in. And most of them are not digital models. Mm -hmm. They are real physical things, which I had a professor in the meteorology program who had written this very long, well-thought-out letter to the department about stop spending money on projectors and sound systems and presentation systems in classrooms and start spending that same money on real physics demos, like a real... In-your-face Coriolis simulator.
0: I would like a real in-your-face Coriolis simulator. Right. Um, A merry-go-round, is that what we're talking about? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh,
1: But, you know, all these things where just seeing it is so much better than seeing a video of somebody doing it.
0: And exactly. So there is a wealth of fantastic media out there for this purpose right? And that serves its own place to get people involved about science, right? Like, I watched Beakman's World, tons of people watch Bill Nye, like, that's exciting. But the things that you remember, are like going to the science show, the science museum, right? Where it's all analog experiments, where they, you know, blow stuff up and do all kinds of school things like that. Like, I remember, in our class, the, you get the big trash can, right? And, you make the puffs of smoke and all that jazz. Like, that's what you remember, less than like vlogging on and watching someone else do it, you know?
1: Well, and too, I mean, if you see, like, take the Coriolis example. Like, if you see that, you look at it, and you go, that can't be real.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until
1: you see it do it in front of you, you're like, whoa, <laughs> okay, <laughs> this does not seem right, but I am watching it happen.
0: So I'm imagining like getting on one of those ridiculously dangerous merry-go-rounds and, like, giving people, like, food coloring or something and telling them to, like, jump off of it and then looking at their, <laughs> like, the, like, the spatter of their food coloring or something like that. It seems like there'd be a lot of...
1: <laughs> I don't know if you need food coloring.
0: <laughs> Not if you're going fast enough. <laughs> oh, that'd be super funny. Um, Yeah, I love this topic. These are the yes. best. <laughs> And
1: I thought it'd be fun to talk about some of the favorite analogs that we've seen and done.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's one thing to point out, too, um, is that when you talk about learning style, because this is a really big deal, you know, some people are visual, and we've talked about this before on here, because some people are visual, some people are auditory, but there are people who are tactile learners. And we discuss it when we're talking about papers. Like, I actually like to read the paper. Lots of people go straight to the figures and the figures are all they need. I need to read. Like when I would study, some people need to see pictures. Like I would have to recopy my notes, right? And I think that was a a combo of sort of visual and tactile learning. And these analog experiments are the best for tactile learners.
1: Absolutely. Because especially in math, I mean, I'm somewhere between visual and tactile.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, personally and so recopying my notes wouldn't really do any good for me looking at figures and stuff would but also like um if i really want to understand something i just need to derive it from first principles (laughs) and if i can derive it i'll not forget it because i did that derivation
0: yeah i Uh, mean that's the point of classes yes (laughs) that is true yeah (laughs) and
1: But I can sit there and have somebody describe to me how the derivation works all day, and it does nothing. Right. Auditory does very, very little for me.
0: Uh, Yes, me too, actually. I'm actually quite surprised that I can retain as much as I can from audiobooks, because I thought that that would never really work for me. But I'm getting better at it, I guess. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I mean, you do realize that we have two people that are saying we're not very much auditory (laughs) learners that host a podcast, right?
0: (laughs) Steeped in irony. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, you know, some people, lots of people, are auditory learners. Just not us. <laughs> oh, that's and great. You,
1: you know, so there's a group at UCLA called the UCLA Spin Lab. Uh, okay, and they do some pretty cool analog experiments, and they always have some neat ones at AGU. Uh, one was simulating mantle flow with like a wax layer on top of glycerin or something. I can't remember the exact, uh, setup that they were using and some rollers that viscously drug it along. Uh, but one that I really liked was they had two different densities of fluid. Uh, so say a brine and fresh water and it just looked like a container of water,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: then they had a salinity probe. Oh, And so you could start dipping this in there and see, oh, wow, like there's a sharp contrast between these two layers. And then you put the probe right there on the layer and put one of those little electric frother things for coffee Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in it and spun it up, and you could see normal mode oscillations
0: (gasps) in the salinity profile. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was really neat.
0: Wow, that's way cooler than any one that I've seen. Hmm. Because that's more... That's kind of more of an advanced experiment. And I feel like most of the analog experiments are very much like elementary school level stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, this one was like for, you know, second semester fluid dynamics people.
0: Yeah, I feel like you don't get that very much. That's really neat. Because by then, it's like, watch this video or just derive this stuff you don't get to right. actually like have fun <laughs> in oh, i didn't have fun in second semester dynamics class <laughs>
1: why would we talk about weather? you're here to learn about Bernoulli's equation
0: <laughs> oh, oh god you can't even solve it <laughs> and yet we fly <clears throat>
1: so what are some of uh your analog experiments that stick out in your mind
0: well see so this is funny like i can't even talk about them now because that one was so cool i'm just thinking about like making smoke rings with a trash can
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that's a pretty cool one
0: but it is and you can actually you can actually take that one to a way higher level than just making smoke rings right because it talks about vorticity and and fluid dynamics to a certain extent too um or you know ping ball with the hair dryer ping pong ball in the hair dryer that was cool (laughs) i remember that in class Mm Um, I'm trying to, I really liked, and this is one that, oh man, um, I'm trying to think of who it was that did this one at GSA. And it was just the, it was an earthquake thing, but it was just like a sandbox and then they fractured it from below. And I thought that was really neat. That doesn't seem like something that you would see. And so you like get to see it from the side and the top how it how the layers would come up and break and that was that was kind of a cool one so it had this underneath apparatus that you put all the sand on top of and it would create a fault underneath which is i mean how a lot of it works but i'd never really seen it built like that so that was cool
1: you said the ping pong balls it reminded me of one i remember doing this because i didn't believe it that bill nye did and it was bernoulli uh and so he had two ping pong balls hung on strings, and they were maybe a centimeter apart. Mm-hmm. It, and he took a straw and blew in the gap in between them with the straw, and they came together.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: And I am being like, no, <laughs> and having to try it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's
0: awesome. That's the point, right?
1: Right. And that one was, yeah, that was pretty simple. You need two ping pong balls and some string.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. There's a, um, oh, it's when you're talking about like, what is it? Slab pull, something push, slab push. Ridge Maybe. push? Yes, something like that. Where you like take a, like those little chains you make keychains out of and fly it off the table. And the way that that chain moves has to do with the dynamics of mantle pull or something.
1: That depending on which geodynamicist you're talking to, whether they believe that.
0: Yes, absolutely. That is correct. I just remember doing that one. Yes. (laughs) And then much later being like, "Mm, there's a lot of caveats to this. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Yes, but that was one I remember doing. Um, That's interesting. We used to, this was a really neat program, and it was student-driven. So this is when I was getting my master's. There was an engineering student who had set up this after-school program through the local schools, public schools. And it was called C's. It was like Science and Engineering Experimental Studies. or I don't know. I don't remember what it was called. Well, it was called C's. I don't remember what the acronym was. But we did a lot of science experiments just with these kids that were in after-school daycare, essentially. Like- and so I had to... He's like, oh, cool, you're in meteorology? Great, you do all of those. <laughs> and I remember having to do all of those and one of them was like taking and cutting out a coil out of paper and holding it above a light bulb and basically watching convection happen right right and i just remember sitting there forever and these kids were like this is the dumbest thing ever because the coil wouldn't rotate (laughs) it like (laughs) wasn't getting hot enough i mean it wasn't an led bulb or anything but (laughs) it was just like oh my gosh oh this is cool i promise oh but we did a lot of um, the mixing of the different temperature and densities of fluids. We did a lot of those experiments that I thought were really cool because that was nothing that I had done before. And then to actually watch them after having taken, you know, well, I had my meteorology degree by then. So after having taken all those classes, it was neat to go back to those simpler experiments and sort of re, I don't know, reconnect with like what the math actually means, you know? Yeah. So, those were fun. I really like the water experiments. I like the fluid dynamics aspect of the stuff.
1: I like those. They're, they're messy, but...
0: Yes, yes they're very yeah. messy. <laughs> and just like you said, they often involve dye, and so that's always a problem. Um, mm-hmm. And they're a pain in the butt to carry, you know, a huge Tupperware container full of water down a slick, you know, gymnasium floor.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But it's really cool, though. I mean, it's something that you can do anywhere, and it illustrates a lot of, you know, fundamental attributes of dynamics.
1: And, I mean, there's one that I've made that it's not really an analog experiment, I guess, because it's not modeling a larger system. Uh, But I've got a little continuous wave radar that you can run at or throw a little ball made out of aluminum foil at or whatever and it outputs the Doppler oh and the Doppler for like you running at a radar or a car driving or something that you're throwing at it is in the audible range so you literally hook a speaker up to it
0: (gasps) oh that's cool
1: and you hear the Doppler as you pointing at things that are moving at different velocities. or Like if you point it at a, a bus going by, you hear a couple of tones. You hear one tone that's the Doppler off the wheels, one tone that's the Doppler off the bus.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I mean, except uh, for pointing a gun-type thing at a bus driving by, right?
1: Well, this one is very old and very large. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So no problem there.
0: <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. I mean... Yeah, it's kind of analog. You've got this sort of tactile output to it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So one that comes to my mind for geology is this shear box or the squeeze box.
0: So we never had one of these. I've never actually done one of those. We just had sponges that were glued together that were different colors that they cut, you know. Faults into.
1: Right. <laughs> I remember we didn't ever do one, we watched videos of the professor doing
0: one. Oh, okay. Gotcha.
1: Which I've gotta say, like these the, the idea is you've got a big box and you fill it with different colors of sand or flour or coffee or whatever to make, you know, uniform horizontally deposited layers. Mm-hmm. And then the back wall of the box moves and shortens or extends the system, and you get folds and faults. And so it's kind of this fun thing. You get to sort of make your own layer cake out of different stuff, and uh, it was not satisfying watching somebody do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking about, like, I've definitely shown those videos before, right? I've definitely YouTubed that stuff during class and shown those and talked about them just like I've talked about turbidite experiments which i would love to be able to do as well um but those things are so cool and i would love to have my own to like chop it up and be able to see or just like move it around and be able to see the different you know what i'm doing to it and i mean they're they're fairly analogous to real life physics like they're not just you know you can use these in a research capacity is my point right
1: oh yeah there are research yes squeeze boxes that are, you know, feet on a side and have lasers monitoring the surface yeah. and mm-hmm. particle tracking and all kinds of fun stuff.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. So, it's like this, this toy, I say, flippantly, um, is truly, you know, what, exactly what you could do as a researcher. And that doesn't happen a lot. That kind of connection, I think. It's the same thing with a stream table. You know, a stream table is super fun to play in and make everything you know, make everything flood and do all this stuff. But it's like that same exact stream table can be used for research. And I think that about these squeeze boxes, like I think that's really cool for structural stuff is that, you know, this is exactly what you do. You can make measurements on these things and there you go. You're doing the same math you would do with a fold in the field.
1: And you can even do, you know, like uh, build a layer You've got some sand, and then you mix sand and baking flour to get a more hard, competent layer. Mm-hmm. Um, or even putting things like Play-Doh in.
0: Yeah, see, that sounds fun.
1: <laughs> so you can do all these different consistencies and see how some of them tend to fold, some of them tend to fall. Like how does bed thickness influence it if you've got really thick beds versus a lot of really thin beds?
0: Mm-hmm and that i definitely hadn't thought about the different materials very much um i remember when you started your work and you were doing it on you know flour doing this shearing <laughs> flour and i was like what are you kidding me but i mean it makes sense like so
1: yes uh did publish a entire paper on the friction of baking flour yep,
0: exactly <laughs> for all your baking needs I mean, but to see those things like in the squeeze box too, that's really cool because think of all the different types of rocks that you have in stratigraphic succession and there's no rules about which ones get to be bent and don't. So you can have tiny layers next to huge layers and everything else.
1: Right. And, you know, you can have, okay, you've got a thin layer of stuff that's ductile. And big layers of stuff that's brittle around it, like is that going to make the thin layer of ductile behave brittily?
0: Right, yeah, exactly.:
1: uh, So you can answer a lot of questions like that with a squeeze box, and uh, this this is sort of a planned <laughs> planned <laughs> one that we're going to talk about in here because <laughs> you know you said, "Well, I wish I could have a squeeze box of my own." <laughs> and you can.
0: <gasps> Yay, thank you, Santa. <laughs> so you know
1: you've always been able to build your own there's been tons of plans online uh you you can go out and buy two by fours and buy plexiglass and buy a bunch of screws and and cobble something together that will do the job Mm -hmm. but uh, But. we've actually developed at the shop i'm gonna call it the personal size squeeze box
0: (laughs) oh it's so cool i can't wait to get one (laughs) Yeah, so it's only
1: about six inches long, maybe (laughs) three, three and a half wide. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Uh, Made out of solid black acrylic, so it looks really nice. And it's got windows on the sides and uh, machined aluminum handles. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. And so it it looks really nice, but it lets you do... And I made it small because these large squeeze boxes take so much sand.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Or flour
1: yeah. or coffee. Uh, I, I've seen flour and coffee used a lot in those because they're very different in their consistency.
0: Okay. Crappy um, coffee, I hope. Oh, <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd hate to see good coffee of beers like that. <laughs> yeah, like
1: expired great value coffee.
0: Okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. So
1: this one is small, so it doesn't take but a couple cups of sand.
0: Oh, wow. To, to fill it okay uh,
1: and you can use different colored sand from the craft store or dye sand or just get things that are different colors like coffee and flour and sand mm-hmm. um, though i have tried just about every kitchen condiment in it now <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it. I just imagine, number one, I love that this turned into an infomercial because that's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. But I also love the fact that I imagine you yelling at your employees, no, go back to the store. We need more sugar.
1: (laughs) No, it was more like, don't get this container of sugar dirty because it's what I eat out of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness that's amazing I will say that I did get a lot of pictures and I assumed you got no coding done the other day
1: <laughs> no we we played with it for quite a while and we got some really cool structures
0: yeah because so just like what I said earlier because I haven't played with one of these um, I, I think it would be cool to be able to manipulate it like you want so there was an AGU blog post a while back that was showing some of these you know the huge research grade sandbox things and then showing the them cutting through these layers and that's cool because erosion happens right when are you ever going to have this perfect you know sidling hill west virginia syncline it doesn't happen very often and so how you visualize these things in 3D is one of the biggest parts about being a geologist right
1: It is, and we came up, so we'd made several faulted systems and that kind of thing, and then we got this beautiful anticline in one of the experiments we did, and we went out with the shop vac (laughs) and eroded the top, you know, half-inch, inch inch of material by sucking it up with the shop vac, and you look down on it, and you see, like, that textbook, because we used pastel-colored sand, you see, like, that textbook picture of Old Rock in the center, and then symmetrical lines of younger rock going out from the site. You saw it. it you looked, made it.
0: It looked exactly like the textbook, and that's what's so cool. Cuz it's students can look at that all day, that textbook picture, but when you've actually made it, like that sticks around in the brain for a while, I think.
1: And you know, we wrote a, a few pages of lab material for it. Uh, whether it's really for a student or whether it's you know, somebody messing around with it in their house, it's like, here are things you can try that we think were fun mm-hmm. um, and how they're related. Like, we talk about the different types of faults and the different types of folds um, and show some example pictures. But this thing was just a blast to mess with. <laughs> and, you know, we tried extensional and compressional, you know, both modes. And uh, we tried doing like some deformation and then adding more like, okay, you get more deposition and now you're deforming again.
0: And that was something I never thought about. I never thought about doing extensional. I mean, it makes total sense, but just not something I would have thought about doing.
1: And I did have an interesting idea. And so we, we made this happen, uh, You know, in your field notebook, you've got the page that's got all the little squares on it, the graph paper, Mm -hmm. and you walk up to an outcrop and you try to draw it roughly to scale right, on that graph paper. Mm -hmm. So I photocopied that graph paper on a transparency (laughs) and then laser cut it to fit in the window on the squeeze box.
0: Oh my God, that's beautiful.
1: So you can take your dry erase markers... And draw on the side of the squeeze box, on this transparency, on that graph paper and pull it out and look at it, project it, do your cross-section, balanced reconstruction, whatever.
0: Oh, that's just beautiful.
1: I was really excited about that. Yep. That's <laughs> uh,
0: that's pretty awesome for sure. Um Yeah, that's, uh, you could use that for so many different things. Sorry, I was just thinking about, yeah, actually drawing it and even just using it for a, hey, draw this thing and oh, okay, now draw it with this grid and see how different stuff comes out just for an experiment of how to do good drawings. So that's kind of (laughs) awesome.
1: But and I thought, you know, you could do a complicated series of things, and then like just show students the end, like what you see as the geologist.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like,
1: what order did I do things in? Yes,
0: correct. Like, have them draw out how they think it got there. So, right. um, my instructor that works at field camp for me is real big on having students draw stuff and he'll have them do this. He'll have them draw the sequence. He'll say, "Okay, draw what's there. Now draw the sequence of how it got there." And so they just, you know, they're just lost. They're like, "Uh, I guess this." And that would be great if you start with that and then make them do the experiment and draw out the sequence. See, look at this. We've already written like 5 labs right now. <laughs>
1: oh oh yeah uh and we also discovered a super cool thing that you can do um which is you can core it
0: you can core everything i love it so did you just randomly grab a cylinder and plunge it in there when you're like oh we can core this
1: Well, so we grabbed a little piece of acrylic tube, though, if you don't have clear acrylic tube laying around, I mean, straws work fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially those like boba tea straws would be good.
0: Yeah. The big thick ones. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, So, you know, go get a milkshake or a boba tea and then do this.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And you put them in and I didn't know, you know, if you plug the top of the straw with your thumb, like you would with water and pull it out. I was like, there's no way that's going to hold. It does.
0: Totally does. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and so you
1: could core like on the limbs and the center of the anticline and lay them out on the desk by each other okay so this is what i would see if i were working in the petroleum field oh this is all the clue i have
0: yes what's the structure gosh that's so hard to get across to students too like you see all these wonderful things in school and then if you get a core when you work in the oil industry you're like the luckiest person alive, right? And yeah. so, like, here, this is what you see. Figure out what the rest of the structure is. <laughs> you know? So um, I love that aspect of it. There's also a thing that we've played in our... Um, I know the, the professor that used to write our labs, and lots of other schools have this, too, the petroleum game, where you basically try to play recreate um a play so recreate this basin thing based on these tiny little snippets of information and this would work like that would go perfectly in with like playing the petroleum game it'd be so cool oh yeah so yeah i love it i think it's really neat i'm yeah i'm going to go in just for funsies obviously and i can imagine that my children will never let me use it because they'll just play with it the whole time
1: well there's also the aspect of like you know i've uh, man i'm just gonna set this up on my desk and like you know every time i come in to the office i'm gonna give the handle half a turn <laughs> and i just have this geologist's in garden
0: ah, ah. oh my gosh <laughs> yeah yeah i could see that i could totally see that you could even keep a beta in it probably
1: <laughs> i mean it is all bonded acrylic so it in theory is watertight
0: Hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not I'm not condoning squishing your beta in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Though as as we'll
1: see later on, uh they're in in the fun <laughs> paper.
0: I don't condone There's some this. interesting experiments that you can do. I uh, do not condone this fun paper either. <laughs> not at all. Um yeah, it's super cool. I can't wait. I've already tried to, you know, get a whole bunch of people to buy it and use it in their classrooms because I think it's really fun. And and you're right. Like, you know, especially if you go out to the western US and you see these huge monoclines and these huge structures that really look exactly like what you can do in that little squeeze box. Like that makes a big impact, I believe.
1: Oh yeah. And you know, I'm not trying to turn this into a 10-minute <laughs> long infomercial, <laughs> but <laughs> The whole goal with this really was, you know, we designed it to be low cost. Um, the, the first one that we made, I, I'll tell you right now, it's gorgeous. It's stained nice wood with glass oh. windows. Mm. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was really amazing. Uh, but there's no way it was going to be affordable because it took four and a half hours to make.
0: Oh my one. goodness. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow okay. versus
1: this one it still looks really nice uh, but the parts are laser cut out of acrylic sheets and the handles and drive nuts and that kind of thing are cnc machined and yeah. we can do those in, in bulk so we were, were able to get this uh, pretty close to where i wanted it to be uh, so we're looking at about 125 for one of these and that's and not bad. that includes bad. like the box and the lab material and all that.
0: And I don't, I don't think that's bad at all. I mean, considering how much money I've spent on, you know, apps to help me relax. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think this wouldn't be uh, <laughs> that different. Maybe you could get, maybe you could get your health insurance to pay for this.
1: Yeah, so I'll link it down below, and if you want to try to file it. Uh, on your FSA, that's your call.
0: <laughs> I think you could totally get away with it. We'll, ri- we'll write something up condoning it. <laughs> We're doctors. It's fine. Um.
1: Shannon's <laughs> <laughs> views do not represent the views of...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, so, so it doesn't sound like an infomercial, but for real. Have you ever seen one of these turbidite experiments in real life?
1: Not in life
0: okay i've seen lots
1: of videos and they look really cool and i've (sighs) built a machine that makes them for somebody but i've never seen it run in real life
0: oh wow so we have a i don't even know how many gallon tank it would be i a a thousand gallon tank i don't know we have one that is like in half i don't even know what professor tried to build it and abandoned it but it's there and someone was like you need to get this going i'm like why me (laughs) <laughs> and because I taught that class called Catastrophic Sedimentation once, that's why. <laughs> and I really want to do it because I've seen so many videos of them, but how do you clean that up? So it's just this huge, you know, thousand gallon fish tank that's, I don't know, 12 foot long or something, three foot wide, 12 foot long. And it's, it's... big.
1: I remember moving pieces of it to get to the flume.
0: <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. And it's just hanging out in there. It's got all these cool acrylic, like, doors and everything so you can change the slope and release your sediment turbidity current and a pump and everything. So I need to get that going. That and uh liquefaction tables, like those I've seen every liquefaction table experiment on YouTube, I think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you know one that I've seen uh have seen this one in person and really loved it. It was talking about resonance and they were doing it with respect to earthquakes. So they had a multi-story building built out of a Tinker Toy.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And it had some weight on top so that the effect was very visible, and it was on a little platform that was driven by a motor to shake side to side. Mm-hmm. And so you would sit there and you would turn the the voltage to the motor up and down and up and down and uh, you know, change the speed of the motor until you found and we're matching the resonant frequency of that structure, and it would just go nuts and, like, <sighs> destruct itself.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was
1: very fun to do. <laughs>
0: Dude, this liquefaction stuff, it blows my mind that this is a real thing. You know? Like, this this is science, and it's so crazy because it's so destructive, just exactly like you said. That's very interesting.
1: I mean, even at Penn State, we did... um, The the block slider for earthquakes, like you've got a a slider, ours was granite, but I've seen it done with wood and sandpaper, and then a block that you're pulling along, so a motor is pulling, reeling the block in on a string, and there's a spring there representing the rocks around it, storing energy. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you take the spring out, the block just slides, the motor just pulls it. And then as you go to less and less stiff springs, you get larger and less frequent earthquakes.
0: Oh. Oh, that's interesting.
1: And so that was always a fun one to do because it is, it is an analog uh, and relatively simple to set. I mean, ours had a motor because obviously I'm going to put something electrical on it. <laughs> um, yes. But I've even seen them done with just like a hand crank and an elastic band like Mm -hmm. a bungee cord
0: yeah i think i've seen that too Hmm. yeah that's that's really cool i love these things this is very interesting
1: yeah so i mean tell me what what analog experiment we should make next because uh, we really enjoyed making this one and i don't think it's going to be the last
0: (laughs) oh man that's so funny um we should come make this turbidity tank, but I don't think you'll sell as many of those. It's not like it's a personal turbidity tank. Right.
1: Um, (laughs) That would be interesting, but (laughs) I'll link this one in down below if anybody's uh, in the, in the notes, if anybody's interested. Yeah. Uh, But it's, it's fun. Uh, We've had a blast with it this week. (laughs) We spent way too much time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what I was going to say. You're just going to carry it around. It's my personal squeeze box. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, Super cool. And I think analog experiments are really, experiments are really important. And I also think that like, yeah, there's no substitution for that. Like you want to see stuff in the field, but also, you know, models have their place. (coughs) That hurt me to say, but these analog experiments can really make the difference, especially with kids in loving science or not
1: right um and even in research i mean just yeah okay the system is really complicated let's try to do the fifth grade version and then you look at the fifth grade version and you go oh i still don't understand it
0: yes correct <laughs> that's exactly right yep but then eventually it'll come around so yeah yeah
1: well Definitely. You know, I think uh there's a good analog experiment coming up in everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday.
0: Yay. I don't I'm just going to peace out for this one. <laughs> 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 okay, wait. So, here's what I wanted to say earlier. Um Oh, yes, I, you had
1: a comment that you wouldn't tell me until it, you were Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I need to know there are I have three options. <laughs> um So you picked this paper either because let me let me make sure I get the figure number right here. So I've got three reasons as to why we picked this paper. You picked this paper. Figure one was absolutely one hundred percent done in MS Paint. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's why. Um, Number two, it mentions Audacity and other (laughs) new software, Octave. So maybe you love that. Um, or three, it is gratuitously uses the phrase anesthetized worm, <laughs>
1: um, yes to all, <laughs> but we have listener Daryl to blame,
0: oh Daryl, coming through with it again
1: <laughs> so Daryl sent me the link and said, in case you didn't know, the twenty twenty igno bells are out.
0: <laughs> oh and we didn't know <laughs> we didn't
1: uh i was really wanting so there was a 2009 Ig nobel um about a bra that comes apart into two in 95 face masks
0: <laughs>
1: um you can find these they're for sale they're commercially made
0: 2009 uh, <laughs> is that what you said
1: yeah, two thousand nine is when it was uh, when oh. it was put out. Man,
0: that person is like yes, and so we also need to check that person's lab for coronavirus. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> synthetic coronavirus. Um, oh my gosh, I love that so much. And there are a lot of there are a lot of memes around that that I will let people explore on their own that are hilarious.
1: <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, there wasn't a paper.
0: Oh. What a bummer.
1: It There's just a patent. Okay. Uh, so I went ahead and looked through this year's and found Excitation of Faraday like Body Waves in Vibrated Living Earthworms by Maximov and Potosky. <laughs> Potosky. Potosky.
0: Potosky. This is not okay. <laughs> so much about this. It's not okay. <laughs>
1: It's in nature.
0: I know. The first figure is literally a MS Paint figure. It has to be.
1: No, I think it's right? Illustrator.
0: It could be PowerPoint.
1: Or PowerPoint. Yeah, PowerPoint's a good option.
0: It's so funny. I'm sorry. I just. It's fine. There's nothing actually wrong with the figure. I just love that there's a worm and it's just this, yeah. <laughs> this little squiggle like that's in a, this is in nature
1: <laughs> so while you wonder you know why this is a radio show uh, you can go get this paper it is open access
0: oh thank goodness <laughs> and
1: yeah so the the idea here was we're going to anesthetize a worm or actually four different species of worms. And we're going to put them on top of a Teflon plate sitting on top of a subwoofer and find what frequency of vibration excites these weird Faraday modes of vibration in the worm's body.
0: I need to correct you because you said that's the idea. No, that's what the experiment was heaven knows what the idea (laughs) behind doing this was. (laughs) like. uh,
1: Part of the idea (laughs) is you could use this as a way to probe structure. And they they talk about how to probe a neural hypothesis that I didn't, I didn't have time to look up that neural hypothesis. Um, But think of it as sort of a, less expensive less information version of a worm mri mhm by studying what frequency these modes happen at and what the modes look like
0: that can be then turned into a worm army controlling machine is what i got from it
1: <laughs> i mean they do mention that you could potentially control nerve impulses
0: yeah mhm i think that that was buried i think that's the real uh the real gold in this paper <laughs>
1: And, well, one, I did not know that you could anesthetize earthworms, or that we knew how to do it, or that we knew how to do it so well.
0: (laughs) It was presented like that was common knowledge. (laughs) Worms dipped in alcohol for 20 seconds. Yeah. That's how you anesthetize a worm. And then they could tell that they were completely anesthetized by, you know, shooting them full of this stuff, and they were moving in a way that demonstrated their muscles were all relaxed. Which is insanity.
1: Right. And so let let me read. I I highlighted a few sentences from this paper.
0: Um,
1: Worms were treated as humane as practical, and afterwards they were placed into a worm farm where they fully recovered.
0: (laughs) I need to see the exit surveys from this.
1: (laughs) Uh, Also, large vibrations were avoided because they additionally led to ejection of a sticky fluid from the worm. That sounds like experience.
0: I also had that <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, is So what I did think when I'm making fun of this with this figure one, which is nothing to make fun of, it's a very simple setup, and I actually thought that that is why you would like it too. It's this is a very, I deign to use the word elegant with these massive earthworms. <laughs> they're using. they're
1: from Australia. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you can tell. 100 millimeters long. Um, But, I mean, it is really simple. Like, you could do this at home.
1: Oh, you could. I mean, you can buy everything you need to do this from Adafruit.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And then use all this open source software to analyze what you find.
1: The future is awesome.
0: (laughs) Unless you're an earthworm. (laughs) So,
1: then... Uh they did the typical physicist thing of okay we have this data let's try to find the simplest physical model that is similar and you know then we're going to do math and lots of lots of fun calculations to see if we can emulate it mm-hmm. so here's my next highlighted sentence mm-hmm. To verify that an anesthetized worm can be experimentally idealized as a water drop at ambient pressure enclosed by a thin elastic skin, we tested an earthworm mimicking phantom made of a finger of an appropriately 0.1 millimeter thick latex glove filled with water.
0: <laughs> yep. And it actually so worked you, real well.
1: <laughs> yeah, you take a medical glove, you cut off the finger, fill it with water, tie it shut. And it behaves like an earthworm because earthworms, other than their muscular tissue, which is a small percentage of their volume, behave like fluid-filled blobs.
0: Uh, can we talk about also, which I forgot about this part till I see my highlighting right now, that they knew that they were anesthetized because when they poked them, water didn't shoot out. It just dribbled out. Or it was more like hydrostatically pressurized. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> gross.
1: So then they go through this very long mathematical treatment.
0: Uh-huh. Um, yes.
1: At which point I, I'm I highlighted, starred, and circled this sentence. <laughs> it is my favorite sentence of this entire paper, not only because of what it says, but because it's followed by two citations.
0: <laughs> oh, well, yeah, hit me. <laughs>
1: Viscoelastic properties of earthworms are poorly understood. and previous works on mechanical properties of earthworms, do not report values of the Young's modulus. Papers
0: 57 and 58. Ew. Oh, and please say those are... What are the titles on those? I really need to...
1: Well, so they they did find out uh, that the Young's modulus of an earthworm is about one megapascal.
0: I, that was really what was missing in my, um, my moleskin notebook full of Young's moduli, was yeah. earthworms. I'm real glad we did this paper.
1: So the, uh, the two papers that are referenced are the mechanical properties mm-hmm. of the longitudinal muscle in the earthworm, from the Journal of Experimental Biology, uh, <laughs> and mechanical properties of longitudinal and circular muscle in the earthworm
0: two different author sets Mm -hmm. yes exactly yeah
1: and from the 60s and 70s
0: (laughs) so we've been trying to build earthworm armies for that long and it's only now (laughs) in 2020 that we could realize this dream
1: i mean this idea was clearly leaked and you know that we had the movie series (laughs) tremors
0: obviously But
1: so the idea is Uh, to make some sort of way to interrogate the internal structure of these kind of jelly-like animals um, using a pretty simple setup. And they showed that they can indeed do some things, but I'm not convinced that it is a large step in terms of being the next worm MRI.
0: (laughs) The next worm MRI. Um Yes. I really want to is it what is the journal that makes them state very specifically like what their hypothesis was? Is that Is that the BMJ that does that?
1: And uh, no, the BMJ has that structured
0: abstract uh, which right, is similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to see that because mhm yeah. I thought that this the end sentence of the abstract, you know, that this is opening up avenues for addressing biological questions of fundamental impact. Like what you put these poor worms, <laughs> <laughs> you dipped them in alcohol and laid their half lifeless bodies on these speakers and then recorded them and then stuck up, stuck a water filled glove next to it, like a little kid. And they probably popped them afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this was real weird thanks daryl <laughs> i've got
1: to say i thoroughly enjoyed it uh i just love knowing that you know the things that i did for rocks are done for everything
0: yeah uh, everything
1: <laughs> and it always surprised me when i read something about you know, like you know the young's modulus of jello
0: i know <laughs> and i'm like oh
1: somebody did that well now i know the young's modulus of an earthworm and it's one megapascal. and someday when that comes back to be my my saving grace in double jeopardy
0: i will laugh um i i predict that i will use that factoid at least twice in the next week
1: (laughs) exactly and we are willing to bet that all of you will too
0: that's right (laughs) (laughs) daryl already has been i'm sure
1: so if you've got data on the young's modulus of earthworms in your part of the world or their faraday modes of vibration shannon how can they send that data in along with pictures of their anesthetized worms
0: oh send us your worm pics at the show at don't panic uh definitely tweet john this stuff at geo underscore lehman don't tweet me that. I am at Shannon Doolin. Together we're at Don't Panic Geo. Um, or go slap those warm pictures in the Slack chat room. I'm sure lots of people will have something to say about that. And we're in the software underground on the Don't Panic channel. If you feel so inclined after that terrible fun paper, <laughs> you can support our podcast. Uh, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash don'tpanicgeo.
1: Until next week, remember, don't panic.
0: It's not an exact science.
1: Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. Spider Pig, Spider Pig does do whatever a Spider, spider pig, pig does. does. <laughs>